0: Podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. As most of you are aware, we've been going through various chapters in the book of Isaiah, and he's been writing, he's been prophesying about the coming of the Messiah. And from Isaiah's time, it really was fulfilled and will be fulfilled or was partially fulfilled, I should say, in Christ's first coming and will be completely fulfilled when he comes again to the earth to establish his millennial kingdom. And so Isaiah has been prophesying on that God is through Him been wanting to encourage His people, although they have been caught up in idolatry and rebellion and rejection of God, and they're going to be carried off into captivity, God wants them to know He is still with them, that they are not alone, <laughs> that He is there and will always be there. And that very same truth applies to every single one of us. Amen. And are we grateful? Are we thankful? for that truth. Um, So, new kingdom coming. Going to have a brand new perfect king ruling it, right? And he will come and make all things right. With every day that goes by, that just keeps sounding better and better to me. How about you? (laughs) Now, while the coming of this king... And His new kingdom, I believe, are drawing near, obviously. God, in the meantime, wants to encourage His people who are struggling. He wants to strengthen them as they they travel the, the treacherous road of life we find ourselves on, traveling hopefully by faith, which this road that we travel leading to this new kingdom that we will find ourselves in someday the kingdom of God. Someone has said that we should stop studying the problems and start studying the promises. I like that, don't you? Which is exactly what we've been doing, right, in Isaiah, and it's exactly what we are about to do this morning. I believe Isaiah chapter 42, where we will be today, has a word For every single one of us, there are times when we become weak. Anybody experience that? (laughs) It's kind of like to be human is to experience that, right? There are times when we, we come into these periods of weakness, feeling weak, maybe even sensing and feeling unusable to the Lord. There are times when our light seems to grow dim. And the flame of our faith nearly extinguished. When those times come, it's then that the saints of God need to know that we indeed have a friend in Jesus. Jesus wants us to know that when we are feeling weak and the flame of our faith seems nearly extinguished, He will not throw us away. I am so thankful for that. How about you? He will not throw us away. He will not snuff us out. Those terms will become more clear to you here in a moment or two. Instead, He will bind us up and He will restore our usefulness. He will rekindle the flames so that our light will shine brighter, brighter than ever. Once again, the Messiah will not fail in his mission that Isaiah is prophesying about. That mission being to redeem and to restore his people. If there has ever been a day when people need help, if there's ever been a time when people need encouragement and rescuing, I think today would be the day. I received a Oh, I don't know what you would what you call it, a graphic, I guess, from my daughter here two, three weeks ago. And it was the graphic of like old time scroll. And on it, it said, if Paul, the Apostle Paul was living today, we would be getting a letter. (laughs) I thought that was pretty good. People are sinking deeper And deeper under the weight of heavy burdens, constant temptations, unimaginable evil out there these days, and a growing insensitivity. Here's what's really bothering too, a growing insensitivity and an indifference to all of it. In addition, an increasingly number of personal problems are overwhelming people today, problems such as? Dissatisfaction, purposelessness, emptiness, tension, pressure, and anxiety, a sense of discouragement, failure, inadequacy, insecurity, and even loneliness. In a recent Daily Bread devotional, it said that for many around the world, life is getting lonelier, which I find not surprising, but it's interesting. I mean, never have we been connected, so to speak, because of social media, right? But that's not the case. People are not feeling closer and more connected, more and more lonelier. The number of Americans who have no friends has quadrupled since 1990. Certain European countries have up to 20% of their population... Feeling lonely. Check this out. While in Japan, elderly folks have resorted to crime just so that they would have someone to be sociable with with their inmates in jail. That's pretty sad, isn't it? But have no fear. The entrepreneurs are out there. (laughs) And they have come up with a solution or so they think. Their solution, you can now rent a friend. Kind of like calling Uber, right? <laughs> you can rent a friend. Hired by the hour, these people will meet you at a cafe or a restaurant just to talk. They will accompany you to a party, so on and so forth. People's need for help is no secret. Would you agree? That's which is the reason for passages like we have before us this morning. Isaiah 42. As you know, we're kind of on a week by week basis with God just sort of leading me anyway in terms of which chapter it will be and what the message might be from Isaiah. And when I got to chapter 42, my heart was just so struck with what it has to say to us, then my prayer is that every single one of us will hear the voice of God and be encouraged and touched by the Spirit of God because of what He has for us in this chapter. It's an amazing chapter. It's why we have this passage before us. God knows our desperate need. I think He even knows about our need more than we know about our need. (laughs) which is why we should be able to trust Him, right? He knows our need and with deep, deep compassion, He has stepped forward to meet all the needs of the human heart, which He did by sending His servant, the Messiah, we (laughs) will refer to Him today, into the world through His very own Son. God gives us the power to endure and to conquer the hardships that threaten to crush us. Anybody here ever felt like you were under this weight and being crushed? Yeah. And so in contrast with the idol's that the people of Isaiah's day were trapped and enslaved to the idolatry, in contrast to them who are absolutely nothing, right? We find here in this 42nd chapter someone who is everything. Isaiah 53, as I refer to on Resurrection Sunday, is known as the suffering servant chapter. Isaiah 42 is known as the faithful servant chapter. So let's look at the first couple of verses of, verse of chapter 42. Here is my servant, notice it is God speaking, whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations he will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets this is one of the most wonderful prophecies concerning the coming of messiah a prophecy given some 700 years before he came to planet earth which again let me just throw this little out there should be an encouragement to us that we can trust every single word in this book. It is truth. Amen. Undeniable truth. So Isaiah puts out this prophecy of a coming Messiah 700 years before he comes. And as most of you are aware when Jesus was baptized we heard very similar words. We read them about them thundering from heaven from the Father, right? Very similar word. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That's Matthew 3.17. And in fact, Matthew quotes the first four verses of this chapter in his 12th chapter of, of Matthew. And so we do know then, beyond a shadow of a doubt, it is referring to the coming Messiah, Jesus, the Son of God. The godly nature And the character of the Messiah is what we find here and is what is discussed first. And here's why, I believe, because the eternal fate of people hinges on their understanding of who Messiah is. And once again, God himself is the one doing the speaking here, which indicates to us the importance of this passage. And its promises, because there are, I'll just use this phrase, a boatload of promises right here in this 42nd chapter. We're gonna cover eight of them this morning, but it is just chock full of the promises of God to we, His people. First promise we find, it says, He, he will be God's servant. It says, He, here, here is my servant which was another way of God saying, so therefore pay close attention to him. All right? Being God's servant means that Messiah will be completely, fully devoted to God. His heart will be set on doing exactly what the commands of God are. Wow. <laughs> now, I, I want to make sure you understand that we are not just talking about Messiah and His mission here. We are talking about you and me and our mission, which coincides. Okay? So for the rest of this morning, please insert yourself into this whole deal. God is sending the Messiah into the world on a very specific mission, Isaiah tells. And since He is God's servant, the Messiah's task will be to carry out the mission that has been assigned to him. There is no ifs, ands, or doubts about it. This is not up for discussion. And you need to know that it isn't for us either, even though we treat it like that, right? He is coming to accomplish God's will on earth, and God declares that he will uphold him. That declaration is for you and me as well this morning, church. No matter what the difficulties or how great the opposition, God Almighty will sustain, He will strengthen, and He will protect His servant, His servants. Amen? Nothing will defeat Him or keep Him from doing God's will. Church, this, this calling, this mission, again, applies to us as well. Part of the mission was that the Messiah was given, and I want you to see this, was to set for us a model, an example to follow. Okay? So what we see of the Messiah and what we learn of him in Scripture is exactly how we are to be, <laughs> how we are to live in following his example. Second promise, the Messiah will be God's chosen one. The Messiah coming into the world was not, and this is really good news, I don't know if you even thought of it in these terms, was something that was not determined by some human intellect or wisdom. Can you imagine? (laughs) But by the wisdom, the great infinite wisdom of our God. Wow. He is God's chosen one, and God takes great delight in his Messiah, Isaiah says, and all that he is in his nature and in his character and in all of the work that he has, does, and will continue to do. Third promise, the Messiah will be filled with the fullness of God's Spirit. God's Spirit will rest on him fully and completely equipping Him to carry out His task. Are you making the connections for you and I as well again as we continue through this? Fourth promise, the Messiah will be righteous and just. And so He will bring true justice to the nations, to the world. I want you to notice how important this must be to God because In the first four verses, justice is mentioned three times in verse 1, verse 3, and again in verse 4. Keep in mind that true justice is the result of acting exactly as one should. So, in our case, acting like who? Yeah. Acting exactly as one should, always doing what is right and treating others the way they should be treated, which means treating others the way Jesus would treat them, treating others the way Jesus treats us. The point being emphasized is this. The Messiah's very nature compels him to bring salvation to the world by establishing true justice among the people of the nations. Fifth promise we find in verse 2, the Messiah will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the street. So what is that about? This is speaking of Jesus and his humility and his gentleness. Rather than being loud and obnoxious, rather than drawing attention to himself, Jesus was so ordinary. Have you ever thought of this? He's so ordinary and he was just so like blended in and looked like everybody else that on the night he was betrayed, Judas had to actually point him out to the Roman soldiers. I always found that to be interesting. Everything Jesus did was not to draw attention to himself, but to bring glory to his father. And the same must be true for us. Let's look at verse 3 now. It says, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. Part of the reason that I really zeroed in on this 42nd chapter for us this morning is be- mostly because of verse 3 and verse 4. They are amazing. So amazing. We find the sixth promise in verse 3. The Messiah will be compassionate. His very nature will be one of love, mercy, understanding. His entire life will be focused on providing care as the good shepherd. Note the reference to the bruised reed. The reed is a strong, stick-like plant that was very common in the Middle East, and it had many, many uses. Just to name a few, it was used as a measuring device because it would grow to the height of 12 feet. So it was used as a measuring device. It was also used as a walking stick. Musical instruments were made from the reed, like a flute. We would find it used within weaved baskets. Fishermen used it as a spear to catch fish. That's just to name a few of the uses we find in the Bible of the reed. But here it's being talked about as something that has been bruised. The word bruised means to be broken, to be crushed, to be crushed to pieces This is a picture of weakness, obviously. Bruised reeds, once they've been bruised and been broken and crushed to pieces, obviously become useless, unaffected. And because of their losing their effectiveness, people would just take them and toss them and throw them away. But because the Messiah's heart is so deeply full of compassion for us, for his people. He will not throw anyone who is broken away as useless. To the contrary, his very purpose for coming to earth is to help the bruised, to help those who have been wounded, who have been weakened by the trials and the hardships of life. He is so for us, committed to us. The word smoldering means dim, dull, or faint. (laughs) And so already I know that there are some in this room this morning that are relating I've been a bruised reed. Maybe I am a bruise reed. Or I've been a smoldering wick. Or maybe I am currently a smoldering wick, dim, dull, faint in terms of my light shining for the king of kings. This is a picture of a wick that has dried out. There is no oil and the flame is nearly extinguished. <clears throat> the smoldering wick or as it is found in some translations, some of your translations may have smoking flax, same thing, has little or no light and has become unusable. Both the reed and the wick, think candle wick, that kind of thing, or an oil lamp with a wick, are pictures of the believer. And this passes pictures of the believer who is no longer where he or she should be in their walk with the Lord. The smoldering wick is a picture of people whose lives lack purpose and lack meaning, who have lost almost all faith and hope, whatever desires or expectations they did have, have nearly been completely snuffed out, and a sense of despair completely grips their hearts. But God promises, oh, how we should be so thankful for those promises. He promises that the Messiah will have compassion. On the smoldering wicks of the earth. He will bring them to himself and and keep the flame, meaning their faith, their hope, and sense of purpose from from burning out. The Messiah will be faithful to treat them justly, meaning he will treat them the way they need to be treated, treated by how God would treat someone that he sent his son to die for. Messiah will be faithful to treat them justly and to strengthen and lift them up and meet their every need. Jesus doesn't smash the reed. He doesn't snuff out the smoldering wick. In fact, I think as evidence for us in the parable of the lost sheep that we find in Luke chapter 15, Jesus seems to be mostly interested in the person who is broken, in the one who is hurting, in the one who is struggling. Over and over again, the enemy comes along and tries to tell us that if you're a broken or bruised reed or a smoldering dim wick, Nothing more than just smoke that Jesus is really tired of you and is about to throw you out or snuff you out. Nothing could be further from the truth. That is a lie from the pit. Jesus doesn't throw away the bruised reed. He doesn't extinguish the smoldering wick. He does the opposite. You might think of yourself as hopeless. But guess what? He doesn't. (laughs) He sees you as you're going to be. He's not discouraged because although you might fail time and time and time again, the good news is he doesn't. (laughs) Hasn't he always, church, been faithful and ready to restore you? to reinforce you, to repair you, to mend you and make you usable once again? Hasn't he done this for us many, many times? How many times have we seen our light nearly extinguished? How many times have we been all smoke and no light? How many times has our faith and our witness grown dim along life's difficult way? How many times? It would have been easy for the Lord to quench our feeble flame and to simply snuff us out. But He is always willing to forgive us, to restore us, to rekindle us. When we call on Him, confessing our sins. It's 1 John 1, 9 all over again, isn't it? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us. And bring purity and righteousness to our hearts. Well, the question comes up then, how is it that our Lord is so able to do this? And he is able to do this. Amen. Amen. He can. (laughs) Because he has been, church, a bruised reed. He has been the smoldering wick. How? When? You might ask. Oh, he has never had a sin problem, but he did die for our sin problem. When Jesus went to the cross, he was literally, the Bible tells us, here in Isaiah 53, crushed. He was bruised in our place. Yes. Was he not? Right. When Jesus died on the cross, he became sin for us. When Jesus died, I could just hear Satan thinking and saying and being so sure that the light of the Lord had finally been snuffed out forever. Forever. Jesus became a bruised reed. He became a smoldering wick on the cross. (laughs) But three days later, (laughs) he rose from the dead and he forever lives to help his people through the times when our faith and our light grows dim. Church, he knows what it is to be the things you and I struggle with. Look at verse 4 with me. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will be put to their their hope, will put their hope. We find a seventh promise here in verse 4. The Messiah will not falter or become discouraged. In other words, he will be steadfast and he will be persevering. And so must we. Amen. No matter what difficulty, once again, hardship or opposition that confronts him, he will remain unstoppable. Yes, he is. <laughs> and we are to be a church that is unstoppable. Amen. He will not fail. He will not give up until true justice, truth, and righteousness are established on the earth. He will accomplish His mission. The word falter or fail, this is so interesting, means to grow weak or to grow dim. Are you you following me? The word discouraged means to be crushed. How interesting. The words used in verse 3, we translate differently in verse 4, but they happen to be the exact same Hebrew words. Wow. These words, falter and discouraged, translate the same words as smoldering and bruised. Do you see it, church? Church. Do you see it? We are often like a bruised reed, often like a smoldering wick. So he became both of those for us. But he will never, ever again be either one of those. Because our Lord is superior to anything that would attempt to crush him or stop him or cause him to fail. Our Lord is all powerful and he is mighty to save. He is the victor over all things and he gives the victory to his people. Hallelujah. Our Lord is able to sustain us, to support us, and to see us through. And let me just quickly little detour if you are not experiencing those things this morning it's not his fault you can't blame God it could very well be that you have just been trying to do it on your own strength trying to make it out on your own and not turning to him and allowing him to come and have his way in your life God did not save you to allow you to be completely broken or to have your life, your light snuffed out along the way and remain that way. That is not why he came, church. That is not why he went to the cross. That is not what his purpose and his mission is for you and me. He saved you to do a work of grace in you that would endure through eternity. He saved you with the assurance that He would indeed complete His work in you. Once again, committed to the Father, committed to you and to me. What an amazing example for us, right? We must be steadfast. We must be persevering in the task of reaching the world for Christ. We must not falter or be discouraged by hardship or opposition. We must not allow anything to stop us from taking the glory of God to the farthest ends of the earth. And as we have said before, for every single one of us, that means either going across the street or making the rounds around the office or overseas, either way. We are to take Him wherever we go. We must press on until the mission is fully accomplished. The first four verses, as we've seen, reveal the promises of God, while at the same time describing our Messiah's character and His nature. In the next few verses, we discover the Messiah's mission. Which, by the way, (laughs) and hopefully you've got this already. He accomplishes that mission through you and me. Right? Right. It is what he has chosen to do. So let's look at verse 5 and 6 now. This is what God the Lord says, the creator of the heavens, who stretches them out who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. Notice that the high calling of the master, the servant, Messiah, corresponds to the majesty of the one doing the calling, the one who happens to be the creator. The Lord's creative power is evidence that he can empower the servant to accomplish the mission. God is the one who's doing the guaranteeing here. I hope you're finding amazing assurance In that. He is the one who's guaranteeing the success of the mission of the one whom He is sending. And that mission, once again, being in happening through you and me. God's all about the mission. It will happen. Will we be a part of it? Will we not get in the way? (laughs) Will we get ourselves out of the way so that God can have His way in? And through our lives. Verse 7. To open eyes that are blind. To free captives from prison. And to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Jesus came to liberate. Amen. He came to deliver mankind from the prison of our sin. Therefore our sins Are forgiven totally, our position secure eternally, and in the Word He has given us all the answers to life practically, and we know the Creator of the universe personally. Wow. Such a deal. Verses 8 and 9 I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place, and new things I declare, before they spring into being, I announce them to you. (laughs) God's power and His power alone, church, has fulfilled former prophecies, what He's saying here. He's even telling the people of Isaiah as they look back, Unto previous prophetic words that have come and have been fulfilled. You see that my word is true. It will remain true and will continue to be true. You can count on it. The former prophecies. Therefore, his power will fulfill the prophecies concerning the coming Messiah. Once again, partially fulfilled in Christ's first coming. Fully fulfilled in his second return to earth when he establishes his kingdom. Yes. Just as promised, he will send his servant into the world, he will s- and, and he will make sure that the Messiah fulfills his mission. While it looked like total failure as he hung on the cross, oh, how the opposite was actually taking place, amen. Victory like the world has never seen, world have ever seen, was taking place. And so where does this message find you today? Where does Isaiah 42 find you in this moment? Perhaps you're thinking you might be a little bit like the bruised reed, weak, nearly broken, feeling a little bit unusable in your present condition. Well, listen, Isaiah tells us that God, through Isaiah, is encouraging us, come to the Lord and come now. And let him reinforce, let him restore and repair you. If today you are not where you need to be with God and you know it. And the Spirit of God has let you know that. Maybe even this morning, at some point during this message, then you need to come to Him. You need to draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you. You need to come home to Him, and you need to do it today. Or maybe you see yourself a little like the smoldering wick. Your light has grown dim. Oh, you are still hanging in there. You know, it's not like you quit believing in God. You still show up at a church service, but it's all smoke, not a whole lot of light. The Spirit of God is not in control of your life like you know He should be. You too can come to the Lord today. He will trim the wick, put fresh oil in the lamp, and rekindle the flame once more he will cause your light to shine brighter than ever if you are not where you need to be with God come home to him today others here may have never been saved you have never asked Jesus to come into your heart and life you need to do that today too He is calling you to come. Come to the Lord and watch Him. Mend your broken life and bring you out of the darkness of sin and into His amazing, marvelous light. The light of our Lord Jesus Christ. But to all of us, regardless of where Isaiah 42 finds us, may we be reminded that God's promises are unbreakable. Therefore, our hope and our faith should be unshakable. From Jesus, our Messiah, every blessing flows. Through Him, every promise is kept. To Him, all the glory is given. Amen. Amen. God wants to do amazing things in your life and in your heart. Last night, just real quickly, last night after the service, one of the, the women in our church in Grand Junction came up to me and she began to say thank you for the message because she had been feeling pretty unusable, pretty out of it. In fact, she was at a place where, it, not suicidal, she made sure I understood that, she just kind of was at a place where she just wanted to go home, shut the door, and never come out and see the world again. She made a trip to True Value with her husband, remained in the car when he went in to get his, whatever it was he was needing. and she sat there, she saw someone coming out of the True Value store, looked disturbed, looked upset, not happy. But this person sitting in the car who's telling me the story just simply smiled, got herself out of the way, even though she's feeling not very usable, not much in the presence of God, just smiled. The person recognized that and just kind of, you know, acknowledged the smile, got in their car and left. About five minutes later... This lady is still sitting in the car waiting for her husband. This person came back, got out of the car, went to her and said, I just want to say thank you for smiling at me. Today has been one of the worst days of my life. She shared some details. Our friend prayed. It all was because of a simple smile. It was all because somehow, with God's help, she was able to get herself out of the way and be used by God. You can do that. God wants to fill you and use you. Please, get out of his way and let him. Father, we come before you and hopefully everyone in this room is saying thank you to you for Isaiah 42, for the encouragement and for the promises that it contains. You came here on a mission and that mission involves us, not only to save us, but to invite us into that very mission, that we would be your ambassadors, your envoys, your people who are taking you and carrying you to the farthest corners of this world, sharing Jesus and letting the world see through our lives your love and your grace and your mercy and how you restore and repair and rekindle because of your compassion. May they see it in us and through us in how we live our lives, God. May this be our prayer. May we catch this, Lord. May today not just be something that we listened to or heard, but may we embrace it and live it for the rest of our days, I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I will lift up, lift up my heart.